This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 39 of Small Talk. I'm your host, as always, Michelle Smallman. We have a ton of stuff on deck for you this week. We are going to introduce our new Game of Thrones correspondent. We'll let you find out who it is later in the podcast. But if you aren't into the show or you haven't watched it yet, spoiler alert, at the end of the podcast, we will be diving into episode one. So if you haven't watched it yet, make sure to avoid that part of the podcast and come back and listen to it after you've caught up. We have a great Game of Thrones correspondent who's going to join the show. We're also bringing back 10,000 frogs. We have two new great frog contenders and a new panelist. But before that, we need to just kick it around with Freeze Pops and Saruti. We actually couldn't do the podcast earlier this week because Saruti has been on vacation. So we're going to talk about that with him in a second. But before we do that, Tom is here with me in studio. Tom, what's up? Hi. <laughs> you always do that so awkwardly. <laughs> and we have Steve Saruti, executive producer of The Will Kane Show, back in Bristol and fresh off of a killer vacation from what I saw on social media. Steve, you went to Charleston, Savannah, and Florida, right? Yeah, it was awesome. By the way... So you saw on social media, is my Instagram game any better than it was? I know you were highly critical of it the last time we talked about like a trip that I went on. It was way too, it was my, it was Hawaii, right? Yes. And you were just crushing me because I was only taking scenic pictures. Was my story game any better? I was thinking of you, I was doing, I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta impress Michelle. I can't just take pictures of cool stuff. I gotta like slip some food in there, maybe a location tag, you yes. know, try to be, try to be cool. It was improved. And I will say this, you left me wanting more. I wanted to know okay. more of what you guys yeah. were doing. Listen, I'm pretty lazy. I don't actually want to do it. I just feel like I'd have to do it. Because then sometimes you're like, oh, cool, like, dude, you're just bragging about like this awesome vacation you're on. And I want to be that guy. But um, Why not? I, well, I know, but like, I kind of hate that guy, so I'm self-conscious <laughs> about it. You know, you know, it's all these things are going through my mind. But no, it was a great trip. It was uh, it was just Southern Steve hanging out, drinking a lot of <laughs> bourbon, eating a lot of fried chicken. So Southern Steve. <laughs> oh, so which city did you prefer? Do you have tiers here? Yeah, I mean, I would say... Like if as far as living, like Charleston's a great place to live. It's just like a cool. It's like it's a city, but it's not that big, and it's easy to get around, and it's mm-hmm. like very historic. Savannah is more of like an old Southern charming town, right? And um, a lot of a lot of history in both. And I'm a big history guy. We did like a haunted tour um, in Savannah, which was really cool. It's like one of the most haunted places in in America. So I was all in on that. But for as par- as far as places to live, and I actually knew because one of my buddies lived in Charleston for a long time. Um, and is obsessed with it, and I understand why now. It's just a, it's a, it's an awesome city. Back to the ghost tour. Did yep. you have any encounters with the afterlife? So I'm, so I, I did not. Now Maddie, who is my wife, I'm, I'm sure she'd be okay with me saying this. So basically, this guy took us on this tour. Um, there's a lot of what they call, I guess they're just like squares, and there's a lot of trees in them in mm-hmm. in Savannah. There's like 25 of them or 26 of them, and there's like houses around, all old houses, and it's it's like it's 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 a, it's what you think of when you think of like an old school Southern town, mm-hmm. and they've had a lot of history as far as slavery, as far as war, Civil War, Revolutionary War battles, Native Americans as well. And there's like basically they bury these bodies in the city, like underneath the city where the city was built on. So the city is literally built on a on on like tens of thousands of, of unmarked graves. It's just a massive so, grave. Yeah, and they oh move them, and it's 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 the it's if you ever if you ever have the chance to go, it's an absolutely fascinating thing. But there was also a lot of crime, and like you know, a few hundred years ago, mm-hmm. down there. And basically, there was this one house that is, is considered the most haunted house in the entire city. 
And the guy takes us up to it, and they don't really know necessarily why. He told a bunch of stories about why. But I'm sitting there, and he's telling us these stories, and my wife Maddie is kind of, I don't know, she won't she won't look at the house, and it's very strange. And Maddie's sort of weird about stuff like that, so I didn't really think anything of it. She's kind of, She gets spooked out very easily. So I was like, all right, maybe she's just being superstitious, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So the guy keeps talking about it. He's like, yeah, you know, people, when they, when they look at this house, they often feel really depressed or they feel like physically ill or they want to vomit and i'm like wow that's like crazy i don't know that's that's (laughs) weird but like you know i i just don't get i don't that that stuff doesn't happen to me so i I just kind of i thought it was really cool and we just kind of moved on and after the tour was over maddie was like i literally was looking away and would not look at the house because i felt physically like i had to vomit whoa and i was like oh my god that is so weird now i don't know if this is because like like I said, Maddie is, this is just how Maddie is. It's hard to explain. Like she, I always like joke, she has she doesn't have the greatest immune system. So she gets sick a lot. So I'm like, maybe this was just Maddie being Maddie, but it was very eerie. And I, I like, and I true, I totally believe in stuff like this. I totally believe in like ghosts and whatever, blah, 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 and evil spirits and stuff like that. And which is surprising because I feel like most people would, would think I didn't believe in that. Yeah. I'm kind of so, shocked by that take. I know. Well, I know. I'm the encounter with the gypsy, cool. remember? I had the well, I didn't really. I know, but none of that stuff actually came true, unfortunately. Sorry, Michelle. Mm, um, August maybe. wasn't a big month for your boy, but uh, <laughs> it was low key though. There were some moves <laughs> being made. <laughs> there were some moves being made. That's sure for sure. But so yeah, that was like the that was the most eerie part of the trip is like Maddie getting sick looking at a haunted house after the guy told us that you know people often get sick looking at it. Wow. I know. So like I said, if you ever have the chance to go to either of those cities, go for it. Okay, so do you have any other stories from your trips before we move on to Tom's yeah, life update? Yeah, real quick, real quick, because I didn't know what to do in this scenario. We were going to this rooftop bar, as you do, mm-hmm. um, in this really cool place in Charleston. I forget the name. I'll get it on a later episode of Maddie will know. But so we get into this elevator, and it's it's kind of it's part of a like a high end apartment complex too. Um, Sick. So we get in the elevator, and who is it? But Venus Williams is literally in our elevator. Whoa. (laughs) Now, Venus stands out because she's like a super athletic, tall woman, and she's with this guy. So it's it's Maddie, my wife, me, Venus, and this other dude. And actually this other random girl who we didn't, obviously, who wasn't famous at all. Um... And so I just, I didn't know whether to say what's up to her because like, you know, hey, obviously I work in sports, like I know who you are, yeah. but she was, with, she was with this guy who we, who Maddie later looked up is her longtime boyfriend who's like apparently loaded or something. I don't know. I think it comes from family money. Yeah, good for him. And I, I assume they like maybe lived in this apartment complex or whatever. Maybe that's one of their secondary houses or whatever. Maybe they were just visiting, blah, blah, blah. So I decided not to say hi because I didn't want to interrupt them. They were by themselves. I don't know if they were doing something cool or whatever. And I was, but I, I don't know. Like I look back and I'm like, should I just said, hey, like, you know big fan blah 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 but I just didn't I kind of left her alone so I don't know what the protocol is in a situation like that like do you annoy a celebrity or do you just leave them alone that is so funny that that happened to you because I too last weekend was on a trip and I too had a celebrity encounter and didn't know what to do so we can go through this together so I was I was in New York City brunching in the West Village brunching as one does uh it was a beautiful day we went to Mirandi Best meatballs in the city. I stand by it. We're sitting outside, me and my friends, and all of a sudden, this woman, this hot younger dude, a really beautiful nice. child, and a really cute dog all walk past our table. And I say to my friend, I go, that is probably the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. And <laughs> all of a sudden, she sees someone she knows at the table next to us and sits down. And I'm staring at her being like, her skin is perfect. Her hair is amazing. I love her outfit. She looks so great. Who is this? And my friend leans across the table and goes, 
oh my God, it's Sienna Miller. And I was like, it's Sienna Miller. That's exactly who it is. So then, of course, I'm staring at her the entire time, observing everything she does, trying not to be a creep. And then I'm thinking, okay, do you get the photo? Do you wait until after and say, hey, big fan, selfie, maybe? Do I try and pretend like I'm texting while I'm taking a photo, what do you do? Uh, for you, it's a little different because you're in a, a confined space, so you can't fake the photo in the elevator. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I did not ask for the picture because she was with, I'm assuming, her daughter, and I'm assuming yeah, her boyfriend. And the West Village is very neighborhoody, and it just felt like she was living her life. She was walking around, strolling on a beautiful day, popped in to snack with her friends, and so I did not snag the pic. But then, of course, later I regretted it. Context is important. Mm-hmm. I think you made the right call. Like I if, if celebrity is at an event or something, that's when you can ask for a picture. Yeah. Or if they're, I don't know, at a, at a speaking engagement, obviously. But if they're in their day-to-day doing stuff, especially with family, yeah, just leave them alone. And that's kind of how I feel about your elevator encounter, Steve. I think it was the right call. As much as it would have been cool to be like, yo, Venus, what's up? I work for ESPN. <laughs> Big fan. Selfie. If that was, in fact, her house, that would be a bummer that she can't even get into the elevator at her own That's place, what I thought. You know? And I was just like, you know what? Because she, she was dressed in like gym clothes, too. And, mm. I, and I, you know, I wasn't like, I don't, you know, I don't, I just don't, and I look at it, I'm like, I don't know if she wants her photo taken. And plus, I'm not a big guy to ask for a photo anyway. I know Freeze Pops, you're the exact opposite. I feel like you would <laughs> right. ask anyone to take a photo. I've only but seen Steve I'll, ask for two photos Jake Gyllenhaal and James Vanderbeek. <laughs> that's, that's, that pretty much tells you everything you know about me. Um, yeah. But I would have, I mean, listen, I would have liked the picture with Venus Williams, but I was like, you know what? She's with her guy. Like, let me just, you know what? We're not going to do this. And I think Maddie agreed as well. And then the other girl who was in the elevator with us had no idea who that even was. She was like, oh, that was Venus. So we're like, yeah, she's like this athletic looking six foot four woman. Like, that's oh my her. God, six four? Wow. I mean, she was, I mean, I don't know about six four. She Stand towered by. over me for sure. Yeah, I was, so, was going to ask how tall she was. So that's interesting. Six, well, she did, like, she stood one. out. She's wow. six one. Well, she towered over me, so maybe it was the shoes. Wait. I don't know. This says Serena is only 5'9". I don't know if that's accurate. Oh, no, yeah, I, Venus I believe is always, that. Yeah, I believe that, too. Yeah. Ven- but 5'9". I mean, it's pretty tall for yeah, a girl. I guess I'm 5'4 and a half. Yeah, you're, you're right. pretty short. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Steve, I mean, Michelle, short. you are like, you know, you're famous, especially in St. Louis. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. If, no, I saw if you're her like, get recognized. If you're, if you're coming out of the gym and someone's like, oh, Shelly, let's take a pick, like, you're not going to be pumped about that. Well, right? I would deny it based on Shelly, but <laughs> no. So the one thing people don't know about me is in the morning I come in here and I have to get up so early, I wear no makeup to work. And I don't care. I don't care if people in the hall see me looking like a haggard beast. It is what it is at this point. But when people come in or we have guests and they want to take photos, I always opt out. I'm like, "Mm, I'm good. No, thanks. (laughs) So, you know, I don't need my haggard face all over the interwebs. If you see it in person, take a snapshot, say to your friends over cocktails, like, yeah, she's not cute. I've seen her. (laughs) Uh, Like, that's fine. I'll let that lie. Uh, But yeah, I would certainly, if I'm coming out of the gym, red face, sweaty, not looking great, would be like, "Mm, maybe another time we could take a photo. That's a tone deaf ask by that person, too. If they're going to do that, like, really? just They just got out of the gym. Leave them alone. Right. So good call by you, Steve. All right, so we both gave our quick updates. Tom, what's new in your world? Uh, Well, I haven't seen anyone famous lately, uh, so there's that. So I relaunched my Bumble, and it's much better than Tinder. The quality of people is better. Uh, The quality of partners is better. I'm having better conversations. Partners? Yeah, I guess that was uh, leading. (laughs) 
Uh, Anyways, anything uh, you want to tell us? Sir? <laughs> Congrats on the sex. No, yeah, that, I didn't. I, mean, I didn't mean. God, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> yeah, you did. No, <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we? Do- Have sex once, Tom. <laughs> I know. Jeez, you, I didn't mean to do that. You did though. <laughs> I just don't believe you. I yeah. don't believe you either. <laughs> I just don't believe. You. I mean, way to brag about it. So anyways, the partners are great. Uh, but the one interesting thing about Bumble is that they have the Bumble friend thing. And I think we've talked about that on the pod in the past. And I didn't think I was going to sign up for it. But again, new city, just trying to meet new people. I relaunched the Bumble. Bumble so I'm like, why not try and use this this feature? And maybe I'm being a jerk. But the dudes on Bumble friend kind of suck. What Shocker. Did, what did you anticipate the dudes on Bumble Friend to be like? I don't know. And maybe I suck, but I was looking for dudes that are kind of like me that just wanted to like hang out, grab some beers, you know, create a friend group here, go out. What did they want to do? Oh. They want to like paint and what? go to museums. I'm done with that. And <laughs> so yeah, wait, is this an app we found from out Michelle? Is we, need a, we need a sports friend Bumble. We should invent that. Yeah, yeah. everyone Float is the museum guys my way. Everyone is way yeah, too low key, and and I'm trying to like you know what you need to no do? one likes sports on it. Like seriously, no one likes sports. No, I've not met funnel, one sports fan on it. You need to funnel those guys to Michelle though. They see, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like okay, maybe it won't work out for you and I, Tom and I, but it will work out. I I have a friend who loves museums, mm-hmm. who is single, <laughs> loves art. Know, there you go. Okay, Friends, so people helping people. Powerful that, stuff. That's a great point, Sarudi. But one thing I left out, and I should have included this: almost every dude on there is married, oh. and, and oh the reason God. why they're Jeez. in this city is because they moved here for, a job. for their wife's job. Like every okay. single one of them is like, "My wife got a job here, and I'm now I'm here, and I need some friends." Oh, that now I feel badly. So it's like they all suck, and they don't. They're married. They don't want to go out. So, so they don't want to go out and drink or hang. They just want to stroll a museum with you. Yeah, they like want to go do you know sophisticated things. That? Like they, I they, feel like that's the opposite of what someone who was married would want to do. They yeah. want to like get after it. Are you right? doing oh, that with find your some spouse? Dudes and have some beers. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I have no. I, I've been baffled by this Bumble friend thing. I can't find any friends on it. <laughs> but you got some partners. <laughs> See, uh, that was. God damn it! I can't win. I can never win. Sorry, don't act like you didn't do that. Not not to change the subject, but I wanted to ask. Savannah is considered one of the best drinking cities in America. Right? Um, so how was the beer scene there? Well, so it's there's no open container law, so you basically just do whatever you want. So it's awesome, actually. It's Welcome really to cool. St. Louis. Um, like I said, I drank a lot of bourbon and. Uh, and have yet to be, have yet to go to St. Louis, and so maybe St. Louis is better. Who knows? So now we, that you bring that up, let's talk about it. When are we going to get you and Maddie here in the loo? I'm down. I'm listen. I'm I'm down whenever you know. You tell me. Maybe a summer trip. You yes, know, I know you guys are going to Chicago in July. So if you can make it to Chicago, you could head five hours south. You know, Tom seems really lonely, so maybe he needs a trip. <laughs> you know, for, <laughs> to hang out with some friends. Yeah, maybe if I include like in my Bumble friend profile, like fr- friend Steve Cerruti visiting this weekend. Maybe more people will that want to match with me as a friend. I don't know. I, I need better friends on that app, Sarudi. It's not. I just don't think the app is going to be your solution. I don't think that's the play. Sorry. Yeah. I'm trying. I, I appreciate your. No, trying. listen. I yeah, I get it, but I just don't think that. Unfortunately, I think you're gonna. It's, you're setting yourself up for failure. Just stick with the partners. <laughs> All right, we're good. What yep. a transition into ten thousand frogs. <laughs>
honestly, we have gotten response from a lot of things on this podcast, but we have never gotten a response to a segment the way we did 10,000 Frogs. People are so into this. So first of all, thank you for your participation and your support of 10,000 Frogs. And also, we got such a wave of response from people who have also been on terrible dates. So every other week, we're just going to run through this and see if we can dethrone the crack frog. So without further ado, here's 10,000 Frogs. Dating is really, really hard. Uh, so listen, I want to ask you something. Um, can I get your number? But don't worry, listeners. You have to kiss 10,000 frogs before you find the one. Can I have your phone number? Can I have it? Will you give me your number? Can I have it? Can I have your number? Let's get through this together. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Small Talk presents 10,000 Frogs. Okay, so... The genesis of 10,000 Frogs came from my friend and overall badass Katie Carroll. When I first moved home to St. Louis, we went out, we were having a couple cocktails, we were both single at the time, and she was regaling me with these terrible date stories that she had been on, and she was like, you know what, we should do a podcast on this because everybody has a bad date story. So now she has found her prince, she's with an amazing guy, so she knows that you can come out on the other side, but I thought as we continue to do this, I've got two male voices in here, I need a female voice. I need a girl on the panel to sit alongside me. And who better than the expert on bad dates? My friend Katie Caro. Well, I thought I was a bad date expert, and then Tom, <laughs> I heard the strip club story, oh, and I feel man. like I've, I've been <laughs> dethroned um, on the bad date stories. But yeah, yes, that was that was not a good night for your yeah, boy yeah. or the crack frog story. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the, more terrible stories out there for sure. <laughs> I know. So, all right, w- what we're gonna do is we're gonna have two contenders again this week, and we'll see if the winner of these two is worse than the crack frog. So, our first bad date comes from. Patrick. He said, this was a couple years back, but I met this girl on Tinder. Don't judge. This was before Bumble or Hinge. She was a very pretty girl from the picture. She seemed normal when speaking with her on the app. She said she just moved here a month ago from California. She was trying to meet new people. So after a couple days, I suggest meeting on the first date for drinks and sushi at the Drunken Fish in the Central West End during the week. I was running five minutes late for the date, so I told her to grab a seat at the bar for us. When I get there, she was talking with this guy at the bar, and I really didn't think anything of it. Pretty girl at the bar, sitting alone, Probably going to get hit on. No big deal. What's up? What's up? So I went up to introduce myself to her a little nervously since she was as pretty in the pictures on her profile, which I think doesn't happen oftentimes on the app. I didn't fumble my words at all, so that went fine. But then she introduced me to the guy she was talking to at the bar. It was her ex-boyfriend. And my mind started nervously thinking, is this a coincidence? Why is this dude here? Oh, Lord, are they about to ask me to join them in on something? (laughs) Weird. I was just really confused. So we both introduced each other awkwardly, but then the guy leaves. So I asked, was this just a coincidence? She replies, oh, no, I brought him here. Just to make sure you were who you said you were. Well, now this is when the curious questions come out for me after I order a double whiskey drink. After a little bit, I find out she moved here with this guy a month ago, broke up with him a week ago, and they still live together. Well, because it's extremely awkward at times, she would just keep talking about their relationship, etc. So after about three more drinks and her new subject to talk about, her psychiatrist, I decided to call it a night and at least walk her to wherever she needed to get a cab. Well, she lets me know she was going to text her ex to pick her up again. Weird. We go outside. He was there a second after she texted him. I guess he was just waiting outside the whole time. It was an interesting experience experience to say the least (laughs) well um first i'm thinking like this dude clearly the ex clearly i I don't understand if he wants to get 
back with her, if he's just looking out for her. That's a whole weird situation to begin with because I don't even know if like if we if I broke up with someone a month after I moved to a new city with them, I don't know if I'd be cool about it to like take you to a hey, meet your new boyfriend. No. That's sort of weird. So weird. And honestly, I don't even really know what to make of her, of her end of it. If if I was this guy who who was meeting them for the first time, I would run because there's no way I would, you know, want a second date with this person because she kind of seems insane. Um so that's kind of my take on it. I, I I would just run as far as fast as you can. I think this is a classic example of not ready to date. And you feel like as a woman, you just got to throw yourself back out there and it'll be good to get out there again. And then you look psycho. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but I feel like you don't you don't just become a psycho, though, real quick. That's something that you don't just develop after being broken up with once. And, hey, I'm going to put myself out there too quick. That's like a that's like a, a problem with you as a whole. I feel. like. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not just like a one time incident because you're putting yourself out there too early. Yeah, and honestly, if you feel that your ex needs to chaperone your date, you shouldn't be going on the damn date. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Definitely, Katie. You're so right. Okay, but here's here's my take on this. I- I'm not a girl. Wait, you're so, not? Yeah. So, Breaking news. Get the sounder up. <laughs> when girls go on these Tinder dates or Bumble dates, I mean, you guys can maybe speak to this. you got to be a little, I don't know, Cautious. scared. You absolutely Because dudes suck, right? So. Yeah. Again, maybe she's being overly cautious by bringing her ex, who she's clearly not over. I mean, that's just... They're living together. Yeah, I mean, that's... They're not broken up. They live together still. I mean, they're not exes. If you're still sharing a mailbox, it's not over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So so that's just kind of how I feel about it. Like, maybe she was being... Uh, I don't know. She was just nervous because it can be weird for, for to meet a stranger like that. And okay, but could I ask you guys a question? Have either of you done that? No. You text a friend and say, "Hey, we're going here." Yep. I'm gonna. I, here's a code word. If I text you, yellow. <laughs> get here and <laughs> my immediately. Yep. So you guys coconut. do a, ver- a version of that. Yes. You, or you share your location with a trusted friend, mm-hmm. usually a girlfriend, mm-hmm. but an ex. I think that is extremely weird. And someone is the pawn there, either the ex boyfriend mm-hmm. or this new guy. Somehow she thinks this is gonna elicit jealousy and he's going to be really into it. Yeah, either way, this girl sucks. It's definitely a bad date. It's a terrible date. Terrible date. And that guy, the the ex is like, that guy might be super whipped too. Like, he's not even (laughs) dating this girl anymore and he's still like doing stuff like this. That's insane. Great point, Steve. Yeah. Can you imagine him telling his his guy friends, yeah, so Rebecca and I broke up. (laughs) She's going on a date with this guy, Tom. I'm going to go with her. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Just to make sure everything's cool, you know. (laughs) They're like, you broke up with her, dude. Yeah, I want to know the details of this breakup. Yeah. Like what what how did it happen? What what went on here? Because I don't know. I they're not broken up. You said it. If you share a mailbox, you're not broken up. Yeah, there's wishing that like, okay, you know, I hope the best for my ex, like there's no hard feelings, and then there's that. Like that those are two very different things. Right. I also love that this guy had five drinks and is still (laughs) (laughs) is, is still able to coherently decide that this girl's crazy. I wonder if he had to pick up the tab for the boyfriend's drink. You know what I mean? Like oh, if I the guy and the girl were oh there God. prior and ordered some drinks and then he swoops in, buys some drinks. I mean, most guys normally pick up the bill. That sucks. <laughs> You're not only that being- would change my entire opinion on him, though. That would be such a hard move to be like, yeah, you could pick up my tab <laughs> for the ex. You mean? Yeah, but the ex goes in and goes, yeah, I'm just gonna get some free drinks out of this. Like this guy, this new guy could pick up my tab, and we'll get back together in a month or so. That's a, that's actually a pretty boss move. He, he ordered some rolls to go. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. So what do we call that? The ex frog. Yeah. Okay, that works. All right. Mm-hmm. Ex frog. 
So next one comes from Chris. I once went on a Tinder date. I'm sensing a theme here. Mm-hmm. With a girl who insisted <laughs> I pick her up from her home despite offering to meet up somewhere neutral as a genuine, hey, I'm not trying to kidnap you gesture. When I picked her up, I immediately realized that her picture was from easily eight to ten years ago. We went to a bar where she proceeded to drink like a fish round after round after round, racking up close to a $70 tab on her own. I got about four words in during the two-hour date. Then around Around 8.39, she said she had to go to a bachelorette party and dipped out without a hug, a thank you, or anything, and leaving me before the bill even came. I chalked it up as a loss and just thought she was a horrible person using me as a pregame for a bachelorette party. But a week later, I got a four-part text from her about how I'm exactly what's wrong with men since I didn't have the decency to call or text her and thank her for going out with me. She acted as if she was totally devastated that I didn't respond after being used and ditched. Thanks. Hope she's listening. <laughs> That's from Chris. That's a that terrible sucks. date. Oh, my God. That's the bachelorette frog. That, I think, is, I don't know. Do you think that's worse? Yes. I do, too. I don't know. It's demoralizing. I, I don't. I think it's the other one. I, I think the other one's worse. Really? Oh, we're split here. What do we do? To me, not only are you stuck with the bill and she clearly used you as a pregame to show up at the bachelorette party and whoop it up, then she's going to come back at you and tell you that it's your fault? Right. Now no. she's harassing you, too. It's yeah. like, leave me alone. It's a bad date. You got what you wanted. Yeah. Like, why, why are you bothering me? Yeah, but also being involved in a freshly moved love triangle is kind of bad as well. Yeah, but did she hit him up afterwards? No, I think she's they living with her boyfriend. Right, so that's so that's an isolated incident where this one lingered. You know, it's like the bad date carried on because she wouldn't leave him alone. But she just she's like your classic mess, though, right? Like she, you know, she's 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 partying a lot. <laughs> she goes to you know she's she's using different guys, and that's fine. I don't really have a problem with that. And then you know, obviously, like she kind of took it. You know, she took it. She had hard feelings at the end. But the other girl to me is more crazy. Like that's a that's a that's a much more crazy move to bring your ex to a bar with a new guy that you're meeting than it is to like have too many drinks at a date, go to a bachelorette party, and then get mad that the guy didn't call you back. Like, that's just, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like the other girl is way crazier. Actually, now that we're talking through this, I'm with you. I'm going to lean back to X-Frog as being the winner this week because it's not only the girl, the guy. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the crack frog with the uncle. Yeah. You know, what are these ancillary <laughs> players? Yeah. I almost think the guy sucks more that he would, because from, from guy to guy or girl to girl, you know that this other person is coming into the state hopeful and they're excited to meet someone and you're just there to rain on their parade and kind of mark your territory like a dog. No thanks. But the more I think about that, that actually is a smart move for the guy if he wants to get back with her, just to like go to the bar, put out the vibe, be super intimidating, maybe get some free drinks out of it. Like... <laughs> I don't actually, the more I talk, I think about this, I'm actually not that mad about the guy who did this. And maybe he was being protective, like I said. Maybe he's a good guy. I think that the first guy had to sit through a terrible, awkward date from the beginning. So if we're really evaluating what date was the worst, this guy felt terrible through the entire thing. The other guy, in hindsight, is like, wait, what just happened? So he maybe didn't realize as it was going on, okay, uh-huh. that I'm going to end up on the wrong in this in this situation. But the first guy knew going into it, like, this is just going to be weird. Mm, that's a good call, That actually. is a really good yeah. point. Okay, so we're going to say ex-frog is worse than bachelorette frog. Yep. I like ex-chaperone frog. Ex-chaperone <laughs> frog. Cha- we'll just call it chaperone uh, frog. Good, yeah, yeah. Okay, definitely. but now the eternal question, is chaperone frog worse than crack frog? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it might have a chance, but now that we ran through it and talked it out, no. Crack Frog still wins, I think. Steve? 
Yeah, it's funny because this, the, you know, the ex chaperone frog is a good one, but it's just, it's just not gonna be, <laughs> it's not gonna be crack frog. I don't know what. I don't even know if I can make up a story that would be crack frog. So I put the siren song out, the call to action, if you will, to our listeners on social media yesterday, and we had pulled these two originally, so I wanted to stick with them. But I got some late entries this morning that are really good. So in two weeks, we'll okay. get those. But if people have bad dates, send them to us at... Smalltalk101ESPN at gmail.com. But as of now, Crack Frog remains, sits on the throne, sits on the Iron Throne. The king of the court continues. The king of the court continues. If you listen to this podcast in the past, you know Saruti and I, two-thirds of this podcast, are super into Game of Thrones. And watching this final season has been crazy because... It's almost like watching a sporting event live. There's so many people across the world who are into this. They're live tweeting. They're checking in with their opinions. So you know that we're going to have to break this down in some way, shape, or form. But since Freeze Pops has been negligent and has not watched Game of Thrones and he can't contribute, we thought, you know what? We need a third voice in here to mix it up. So we wanted to have a Game of Thrones correspondent. After Steve and I had talked about... On a previous podcast, somebody checked in with us on Twitter and we thought, wait, we know this guy. He listens to our podcast. He's into Game of Thrones. Done. He's going to be our Game of Thrones correspondent. So you've seen him as the quarterback for Notre Dame. You may know him now as the quarterback coach for Notre Dame, but you don't know him as a Game of Thrones analysis expert. So without further ado, meet our Game of Thrones correspondent, Tommy Reese. He comes to us from the house of South Bend, Indiana. A warrior on the gridiron, converting over 60 touchdowns in over four years of battle. A two-time bowl champion in his own right. Let us talk Game of Thrones with Notre Dame quarterback coach Sir Tommy Reese. <laughs> So, Tommy, first of all, thank you for agreeing to do this. Secondly, I don't know if I should say I'm sorry for that open or, <laughs> or say you're welcome. But either way, it's great to have you. Yeah, I don't, thanks for having me. I don't know if I agree to that opening, but that's, that's, that's out of control. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, Tommy, what did you think of Freeze Pop's medieval voice there? Yeah, I mean, I think he said he struggles with accents on a recent <laughs> up. You know, I did my background research, you know, before coming on here. I listened to the last couple, and I think he said he struggles with accents. And, like, I mean, I think it doesn't get much worse than that. But I appreciate him <laughs> taking the time to at least put something together. I tried my best, man. I don't know what you guys want me to do. Well, I feel like your accents are all the same. They all, I know. All your accents They're are, like, Scottish. weird people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, maybe I'm vaguely hey. Scottish and I never knew. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. know what the deal is, but I appreciate the effort. No, there we go, guys. Game of Thrones. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's talk some GOT. Yeah. <laughs> from the guy who doesn't watch. So people listening are probably like, oh, sick, you guys have Tommy Reese on. You're going to talk college football. You're going to talk Notre Dame. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to sling some Game of Thrones information here. So we're going to break this up into three different categories so we can run through a lot at once. But let's start with the scene stealer. So this can be someone that we thought really shined in the episode, a scene that really developed the plot, anything that we want to go with here. We'll let Saruti start first. Saruti, what was your scene stealer? I don't know if this is lame, but I loved the opening. I love the procession of essentially the Unsullied, Danny, John, Tyrion, everyone, Varys walking through, and the music was incredible. And it was just like kind of like a 
you know, after almost two years of not having new episodes, it was just like a great welcome back sort of thing. And I'm even going to ex- extend it to the kid who's climbing up the trees, essentially mm-hmm. mimicking what Arya did in, in season one. I had goosebumps all over my body. It was just, it was such a cool way to start the show. And I know it wasn't necessarily, there wasn't any anything meaningful in that at all, but I just absolutely loved it, and it got me so pumped up for the rest of the episode. And, I mean, it just I'll, – I'll even take it further, you know, because that procession included a bunch of different reunions and Sansa and, – and, honestly, new be, new meetings, essentially Sansa meeting Danny for the first time and it not being – you know, she obviously didn't really really like um, really like meeting your elders, though she was trying to be nice. So that, to me, was just such a great way to open the scene. I know a lot of people didn't love the first episode because they thought it was sort of a setup episode, which is kind of what we thought it was going to be anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't know why people get so mad about that. But I just loved how that felt, the music, seeing all these new characters who look so different from the seven seasons that we'd seen them before. So that just got me pumped for the entire season eight. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I just like gasped for air. <laughs> Michelle, um, are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, guys, it was that great. <laughs> it was that great. I guess for air. I did appreciate the opening scene, especially as you mentioned, the aria hearkening back to the very beginning of her climbing the tree and her letting the little kid through to do, I thought was really cool. But to your point about people being upset with the episode, we knew that this was going to set the table. What did you expect? All of a sudden, this to be bloodshed, episode one? Of course they're going to save it for later in the season. I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's going to be, you know, six episodes. They expect just battles right away. Like, they had to do something. It was been two years since it showed. And, I mean, I thought the opening scene was awesome. Like, the reunion and kind of just reintroducing all the characters and kind of coming full circle with the little kid running, and that, that's how the episode's starting. You have no idea what's really going on. But I agree with Saruti. I thought it was an awesome way to kind of just reintroduce everyone and show all the characters. And everyone that's saying that the episode wasn't good, I mean, they can't just jump into a battle. They have to set the scene. They have to show some people meeting and the reunions and kind of where everyone's at after a couple of years off. Yeah, I also loved that the first thing we see from Tyrion is a eunuch joke. He's right back yeah. into form. And they set the scene, but... There was that sense of urgency where they kept saying the wall has fallen and Bran's like, mm, oh, yeah, the Night King's on the way. Buckle up. It was uneasy. Like it was it was uh, it was happy in that, like, OK, everyone's going to Winterfell. And we get to see Winterfell again and John's back in charge and Sansa's great. And, and you know, all the Stark children are going to reunite. But well, not all of them, but the ones that are alive. <laughs> sure. I just thought it was such a fun, interesting way to start it, because, you know, like I said, t- after being two years off, like we it's it's almost like you forgot these people. You need to you need to be reintroduced to them. So that's yeah. what it sort of did for me, at least, and that's how that's how it made me feel. All right, Tommy, who's your scene stealer? Well, you guys know I'm a huge Arya fan, so I got to <laughs> stay with my girl. <laughs> What's up? You know the scene the scene that I really enjoyed was when she was uh, when she saw the Hound and saw Gendry down when they were making all the all the weapons. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that really stole it from me was she dropped the line like you don't know any rich girls. And then she walked away and gave, like, this look back. And, like, Arya's not the girl that gives, like, the look back, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I thought her doing that kind of shows, like, a little bit of character development. And, you know, obviously they're doing a little foreshadowment with her and Gendry and just kind of her being able to, to reconnect, you know, with the Hound and Gendry I thought was really cool. And I just thought her line there, and it was kind of like a mic drop as she walked off. Um, you know, that for me did it. You know, I want to talk a little bit more about Arya later, but... Um, you know, I can't come on this show and not talk about her. She's my girl. She's been my favorite character since the beginning. And I thought her being down there, you know, asking for the weapon, seeing those people kind of shoving it in the hound's face. And, yeah, you know, I robbed you first and all that stuff, you know, was, was peak Arya. And I know, Steve, you probably aren't a fan of that, but um, <laughs> she's still she's still my girl through and throughout. 
No, you know what's funny is that my issue with Ari was always that she was just kind of like this know-it-all, like that she thought that she knew everything because she, you know, was with the Faceless Men for a while, and, and she went through a lot of different stuff, but she didn't understand that anyone, that, you know, her, her siblings, John, Sansa, also went through a bunch of other shit, mm-hmm. you know? Like, she wasn't the only one that went through all this stuff, so that's what the thing that annoyed me about. And I think what's good about this episode, and even sort of toward the end of season seven, is that she's kind of, especially, you know, with the whole thing with Littlefinger and, and basically exposing him and then killing him, Although allegedly we don't know yet, is he dead? But, um, is he dead? Wow. I know, wow. I know. I'm. This is such a weird thing that because everyone's like, why is he on the you know the list of you know who could sit on the Iron Throne and isn't he dead? But you know, then you have obviously you go on Reddit, and you could be on there for hours reading different theories. So who knows? He apparently may not be dead. But wow, uh, I've digressed. Arya, I think, has become so much better at the end of season seven and then the first episode of season eight. She's much more likable again to me because she's sort of level-headed and she's now a little bit more down-to-earth. And as you said, Tommy, like that, like her sense of humor, that's something that she didn't have, I think, earlier. She was so serious. You know, everything was always about, oh, I have this list and I'm going to kill everyone. Like that sense of humor to me made her such a better character, hopefully going forward. They haven't shown her. Like, you can tell she might be interested in Gendry, right? Like, there's, like, some attraction there. And they haven't shown that at all with her storyline, with her character. And so, like, I think that development, you know, like, she's been this, like, hard, cold-shouldered person for the whole whole series, really. And, like, is she going to have a soft spot now? Like, is there going to be something that gets in her way of just wanting to kill everyone? So, like, I, I was just interested to see where kind of that develops. And, like, to me, like, what is Gentry still doing in the show? Like, they, like, he disappeared for, like, four seasons. So they're keeping him around for something. You know, it's either the bees, sure. the rightful heir, or it's the Mary Arya. Like, that's what I thought. Like, why is he still here? Because, like, he disappeared. You want to talk about a character with no storyline. Like, what is his deal? Yeah, he does have King's blood, though. We know he's Robert Baratheon's bastard. Yeah. Um, but I think, Tommy, you hit the nail on the head with Arya showing the softer side. You're seeing the evolution of her from this stone-cold killer to this person who is finally home and has finally reached what she's kind of been searching for. And, yeah, I'm here for the—sorry, Steve, I know you hate that phrase, but I am here for the Gendry-Arya <laughs> romance. And I thought one of the best scenes—this isn't my scene, Steeler, but one of the best scenes was Arya and John's reunion— I mean, from the very beginning, they had a special relationship. She was this tough girl who wanted to be a warrior, and John was the only one that really understood that and gave her needle and had really kind of started this whole genesis of her evolution. And I, I don't know. I just thought that was such a great scene because you saw a different side of both of them. That was the best reunion to me. They're playing up John and Arya's relationship so much and how close they are. Like, I think something's going to happen where one of them has to kill the other. That's just my take. Like, they keep talking about how close they are and their reunion. And, like, maybe one of them gets turned into a White Walker and has to kill the other. I don't know what's going to happen, but, like, I think those two, like, there's going to be some sort of conflict where where they're put into battle or, or something like that. Or chosen or, or forced to choose sides. I think you're kind of on the right track because I think John has said a million times that he does not want power. Right? He's he's he was made you know yeah he's uh, over it. King, leader of the Night's Watch. He was made king in the North, and he doesn't want any of these titles. I honestly oh, I think the end for John is just dying. I think he'd be happy with dying. He truly believes the battle in the North with the White Walkers is the most important thing, and that's all that matters. He doesn't want to rule, so I wouldn't be surprised if he if something happened. I mean he. For me, I wouldn't be surprised if he – all the people saying he's going to sit on the Iron Throne, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, he's for sure the hero that dies, right? Like he's, he's dead. Yeah, he, he, exactly. He doesn't want to be a leader. <laughs> like, no, not at all. He'd he's, be unhappy about it. He's very over it. One other quick thing before I get to my scene stealer. 
Tommy, I think you're onto something about them being in a battle because I thought it was interesting and perhaps foreshadowing when they were comparing swords. And I thought, yeah, no doubt, is one of these swords going to end the other one? Right. There's no quite like I like that whole scene to me was like foreshadowing. Like, let's remind everyone how close they are. Let's talk about their swords or how they battle. Like they're going to fight. There's something they're going to fight. I think. Totally. All right. Well, my scene stealer isn't necessarily a scene. It's a person. I thought this was a killer episode for Sansa Stark. We have seen her go from this young girl who wanted to be the queen and she has endured a ton. And, you know, we always say Cersei is the best at playing the game because she's just absolutely relentless in her pursuit to gain power and get what she wants. But Sansa has been an apprentice to Cersei and to Littlefinger, to two of the best and most cunning people who play the game. And I thought we really saw that in this episode, how smart she is and how she's anticipating things before they even happen. For her to be wary of Danny, I thought was really smart. This is her home and she's trying to protect her family. Why should she all of a sudden just accept this person as her queen? She knows that the North is not going to be down with Danny and her squad coming in. I also thought when she was talking to Tyrion and Tyrion was saying, yeah, you know, we're bringing the Lannister army up here. She's like, you used to be the cleverest person I knew. And she was absolutely right. She saw right through it and knew that Cersei was not going to play that game. So I think Sansa is really going to be crucial in the way that she views all of this and the chess moves that are being made moving forward. I also think there's going to be something with the Stark family based on Sansa because something's going to happen with Danny and John. We all know that there's going to be inevitable power struggle there. And when Sansa said to John, did you bend the knee to save the North or because you love her? She's calling him out. She's calling his bluff. I certainly think that that's going to be a big storyline moving forward. Yeah, I think, I don't know if I like Sansa more because of like Sophie, Tur- Sophie Turner's like party scene at Penn State or if it's <laughs> That's like, definitely it, yep. But the thing about her, which I think is pretty interesting, is like the whole show and like when she was younger, like her whole life, all she ever wanted to do was like go to the capital, be a queen, you know, marry into the into the royal family. And now it's kind of like flipped. Like she's content with being, you know, the queen of the north. Like she wants to be there, which I think is a pretty cool like character line on how they've developed her. Yeah, like I think I think Sansa has come the furthest of any character in the show. She's one of my favorite characters, and I think you know you're right, Michelle. She's learned a ton from Cersei, and ultimately, you know, but but she did sort of got she got got a little bit by Danny though, and I, that was one of my favorite scenes. It was probably my second one when she's asking, "Hey, you know, I I I basically." have all these provisions to, to, to feed the people that I thought were going to be here. Now you've had all these Unsullied, all the Dothraki, and you've had, added two fully grown dragons. Like, what do they even eat? And when Tanny responds with whatever they want, that was like, you could just tell, like, the tension there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they there's something obviously is going to go down there. I don't know if it's whether it's going to be between, and, and, John, and John is going to be the middleman, right? He's going to be the person caught in the middle, because and, and that's not where he wants to be, but it's going to be between potentially the woman that he loves, although who knows now after he's revealed that they're, they're related. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't and, stop and obviously, on this show. And obviously, his, his yeah, family. Because they, because but they, but they technically both are blood, right? Like they're both. He's related to both of them, so he's sort of the man in the middle. That's probably going. To, and I, I just, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm just fascinated to see kind of what side he picks uh, if he does pick a side in that. All right, let's run through our our next two categories quickly. Next week, we're going to do Bitch, You Gotta Go. We know people die in this show every episode. It didn't happen in the first episode, but we need to say this is a person I could do without. Tommy, why don't you go first? I know it's like a popular take right now, but I can't stand Brant. I can't stand him. I can't deal with him. Like his. Okay, so everyone gets there, and everyone's happy to see one another, and he just immediately has to remind everyone, you know, 
the White Walkers are coming. Like, we know. We didn't forget. Like, well, let's just say hi real quick. You know, Sam just found out that his brother and dad were executed by Danny. And then Sam walks out, and there's Brand with his smug face saying, okay, now you got to go tell John the truth. It's like the guy just ruins everything. It ruins every moment. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't get the whole Raven thing. Like, I don't get it. And that might just me being dumb, but, like, he needs to go. I've had enough of him. I know, like, he's going to be a huge part of this season, and he can kind of control the whole thing. But, like, I would not lose a sleep, lose a second of sleep if he, if he were to die in the next episode. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he probably See, lives throughout the whole show. But he just got, he's obnoxious. See, that's so funny to me because I think I love Bran, and I just, I feel like Bran and I connect on a certain level because Bran's all business. Bran is like, yo, we need, like, we need to get our shit together. Like, you guys are hugging, high-fiving everybody, blah, blah, blah. None of this actually matters. Like, you, you realize the Night King is coming. My only issue with Bran, and I don't know I don't know how Bran or if Bran will die. My only issue with Bran is, like, shouldn't he be using his warging and his, his was his green sight? He should be using all this stuff to, you know, figure out where this army is. Like, I, I think he should be, be doing more recon because— uh, was it was it Ned Umber when he, when Ned Umber goes out and he's going Throwback. to try to you know bring his troops back to um no was it, is it his kid is his kid Ned right his kid's Ned Umber right I don't know I know what you're talking about though the kid who ends up yeah. dying like why wouldn't you see that the that the 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 White Walkers are are in his path like you should you should know Brand this is where you got to step your game up and figure out okay you shouldn't go there because you're going I'm, I'm leading you in a path of death like Brand needs to do or, a little bit more I think in the show do you think he's letting that happen to just <clears throat> to open their other characters' eyes, like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice this kid so everyone else realizes maybe, the real threat. Maybe, maybe, and that part of me like respects that about Brand because, like I said, he literally everything he says is just like, hey, we need to get down to business here, and we need to like figure out who the real enemy is, and you guys need to stop like you know doing all these glad handing stuff. So yeah, but I kind of respect Brand. No, I'm so over him. If he can see everything, he can see how this ends. So he needs to be like, hey, get this dragon here, put in position. This is how we're going to end this thing. You know, he doesn't need to be so ominous and monotone all the damn time. He has the power to end it if he sees everything. You know, don't Yeah, me- I used to like Bran. I don't know what happened. Like season five maybe kind of turned it for me, but like I can't I can't deal with him anymore. And me either. All right, Steve, who's gotta go? Mine didn't even really appear in in the first episode of season eight, but Robin Aaron for me is the maybe the most useless character left in the show. And maybe there's something that he's maybe the veil is gonna come in and save the day again. I don't know. But, you know, now that obviously Baelish is maybe dead, I don't understand what the point of Robin Aaron is. He is he was the worst character in the show. He has literally no skills whatsoever. He's a, he's just 100 percent a liability. And I'm I just don't know what his use is. So maybe there's some sort of use that he's going to have that's going to change my mind on this. But I wouldn't mind seeing and I'm not advocating to, you know, that, hey, let's kill a bunch of kids in the show. But like this, he, this kid is terrible. Like we need to get him out of here. And then I have a B, the mountain. I'm excited to see how the mountain dies, but I don't necessarily want him to die just yet. But he is one of the most interesting people to see. I would want, I want to know if, if the hound kills him and how exactly he ends up meeting his fate. Yeah, Robin Aaron sucks. I forgot he was even on the show. I know. He, like, but he's just lurking. He's just around. Yeah, but you know Being he's going to be ineffective. He's terrible. He, I, I think he's going to screw something up because he just has, like I said, he has no skills. He's just, he's a liability, period, right. for everyone that's not dead. All right, well, um, I'm going to go next, and this is a pretty hot take. But you know who I think has got to go is Danny. Listen, I'm all about a woman in power. I 
understand that Danny has gone through a lot and she thinks she's the rightful heir. But she is slipping. I mean, really? You're so in love with Jon Snow that while the Night King and the army of the dead are creeping up on you, you're saying, yeah, let's pretend we're Aladdin and Jasmine and fly around on our dragons in a whole new world scene and go make up by a waterfall. No, if you want to be a leader, you got to get it together. You need to be galvanizing your troops. You need to, like Sansa is, be concerned about how you're going to feed all these people. There's no time for this romantic travel in the skies. I'm over Danny. I think she's a liability, and I think she's got to go. You know, it's funny you talk about her, because I thought they did a lot of stuff in the show, like, and they didn't really bring it up in the past a lot, but they compare her to her dad, the Mad King. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they start to paint a picture of her you know, of executing people and being unjust. You know, Sam talks about it a little bit to Jon Snow, and, and you know, John even says it. So I think Sansa says, you know, she she's not her father. Like it's really the first time they've talked about that. Mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to paint a little bit of a picture of her, like trying to starting to slip a little bit, and maybe she's not the leader we thought she was. I don't want her to die. I like her, you know, and I don't think she's going to die. But I, I do think they're trying to start to flip that script a little bit on her. They are. All right, last one, and we're going to update this every week. Who do we think is inevitably going to sit on the Iron Throne? Steve, you can go first. So I'm a little bit of a, I don't know, I guess I'm a little off the beaten path here, but I don't think anyone's going to sit on the Iron Throne. I think ultimately two things are going to happen. Whoa. Or two, There are two paths that are going to happen. Okay. One is that everything that we know is destroyed and the Night King just sort of takes over and, and Westeros isn't ruled like we, like we are used to seeing it ruled. And... The second one would be that John or the side of the living wins, but there are so many different casualties. Who knows who even survives this that ultimately they're just going to sort of – let me take a step back step, step back a little bit further. Danny's always talking about breaking the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. And really breaking the wheel would be not doing what they've done for so long. She's right. not breaking the wheel if she just starts ruling. She's just the next person in charge. Now, breaking the wheel would be ruling Westeros in a completely different way. So I think that they've been sort of foreshadowing to that, that Westeros is going to be ruled in a different way after, you know, hopefully the, the living um, uh, when this when, when the, you know, the war that matters. And I think they'll either break up the kingdoms like maybe John will survive and rule the north. Maybe, you know, maybe people down south will take over. Who knows? But I don't think Westeros is going to be ruled by one person sitting on the Iron Throne, whether or not the living win or the dead win. Tommy. Uh, God, I love that take. I really do. <laughs> um, like I, I've been thinking about this, and like, I don't know to be honest. Like I like that take, so I think that's probably right. I'm gonna go with Littlefinger just because I'm I've really dug into that <laughs> whole like conspiracy theory that he's still alive and that Arya is Littlefinger right now, and that she's wearing or he's you know she's her character is him just wearing Arya's face and like she yeah. has the dagger and all those spend a lot like, of time on Reddit. Like, yeah, I wormhole, but like these fan theories, <laughs> like you can get lost in them. Uh, I'm going to go with Littlefinger. You know, I've always kind of sneaky liked Littlefinger. I know he's a terrible character, but, like, kind of liked him, you know, going back. Um, just because he's always got some motive. He's always playing the game, and I think he's going to figure out a way to be there at the end. Now, like, deep down, do I actually think he's going to rule? Probably not. But just for this first episode, until I get some more context, I can't, you know, say definitively. I'm not going to sit here and say Jon Snow or Danny's going to rule. So I'm going to go with Littlefinger for now, but that's that's probably bound to change. 
Okay, so you guys went really deep. Those were both really good theories. My old theory was that Danny is pregnant with John's baby, and I thought she was going to die during childbirth, which is obviously hearkening back to Tyrion. His mom died giving birth to him. And I think Tyrion, sober Tyrion, very important distinction, would be the best ruler. So I always thought the living would prevail over the army of the dead and the Night King, and that Tyrion would sit on the throne and mentor John and Danny's baby, who would be honestly the rightful heir, because John doesn't want to lead. And so he would sit back and say, you know what, I'm going to be your conciliary, your hand of the king, whatever, until then. But then I saw Danny really just not caring about the Night King. She was so concerned about, oh, I'm flirting with John. We're smooching by the waterfall. I think you're making too much out of that. She's like, oh, you know, Sansa doesn't like me. These are not things we need to be concerned about. So I think she's going to be offed. I just, I can't see a situation where she lives. And the more I'm looking at these characters, Cersei is just a mad woman. She's letting the Night King and the North go at it, and she's sitting back developing a baby daddy alibi so that when this all crumbles, she can still take the throne. I mean, she just thinks about things on a completely different level, and I probably will change my mind next week, but right now I'm going to say it's Cersei. Do you guys like Euron as much as I do? I love Euron. He is great. He's definitely going to die, but I love him. He's going to die for sure, but we enjoyed him while we had him. I think, and the other thing about him is, like, he is Pacey from Dawson's Creek or Charlie Conway from Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Like, that actor, whoever that guy is, looks (laughs) dead Joshua Jackson. Yeah. He is kind of like like a chubbier. I'm like, yes. Yeah. He he is like if Charlie Conway from Mighty Ducks had a rough couple years and maybe came out on the other side and he's got kind of a Mugatu derelict vibe to him yeah with the goatee. Yeah, which I appreciate so yeah I'm a big fan of Yaron <laughs> alright well we've laid out our takes hopefully people who liked Game of Thrones enjoyed this if not sorry we're going to be doing this for the next seven weeks or so but What's Tommy up? thanks so much this was so fun thanks, yeah dude. thanks for having me I enjoyed it I'll talk to you guys soon all right, Steve, we know you got a busy day ahead of you now that you're back from vacation on the Will Cain show. By the way, I loved the video of Will Cain watching the soccer game unfold on live radio and TV. Yeah, that was uh, that was a bummer for him. He thought they he thought Manchester City had won and then they, you know, the, the VAR took the goal back, but um I don't know, it was funny to see Will and Payne that way. Fine. I was more impressed with the caller who kept going. Yeah, that guy was yeah, awesome. He How was that real? Stop talking. <laughs> he refused to stop talking about the dog. Well, the best part about it was like, so right before he finds out that it's a no goal, the, the caller literally asked Will, like, hey, is this, your kid is the one that wants the dog? And Will just screams, no! <laughs> and it was so weird. And it was, because essentially you'd think he'd be yelling at his kid, but no, he was just yelling at the TV screen. But I respect the caller. He just didn't really know what was going on. He just kept talking through the whole thing. <laughs> I respect it so much. It was it was so funny. The caller was the best part, I thought. He was. He was. And also because this is supposed to be a sports podcast and we didn't have one sports mention throughout the entire thing. Steve, other than Venus Williams? Other than Venus Williams, correct. Steve, well, and Tommy Reese, hello. <laughs> Notre Dame yeah, quarterback's say, yeah. coach. Quarterback coach. Put some respect on his name. Legend. Put some respect on that name. Yeah. But we are all in the throes of playoffs. I mean, we've got Blues playoff hockey. Oh, I saw. Blues won last night, right? Steve, comeback. one of the most unbelievable games I've ever seen in my life. And I know that you're right in the throes LGB. of the— uh, LGB, thank you. You know what, Steve? If the Blues get to the Stanley Cup, that's when you guys are coming down. I don't have a hockey team, so I'll root for the Blues. I got Whoa. Whoa. I mean, and you know what, Steve? 
I don't have an NBA team, so I'm in on the magic. Oh, How about what? That? Let's go. 7 no, o'clock no, tonight, no, no, Raptors, no. game three. No. <laughs> Let's go. What? You're a Celtics fan. Ignite. You've said this before. I know, Jason Tatum, I, I what are you doing? Jason Tatum, but come on. I'm in on yeah, the magic. Yeah, being a Celtics fan sucks. You can't be a Celtics oh, fan. Oh, really? Like half, I, half I have a good time. Half of the United States is a Celtics fan. I'm, I feel like being a Magic fan sucks, man. Yeah, but you know what? It's like, yeah, at least you have some character. Like, I'm different from everybody else. Like, yeah, who, there's like a yeah, billion Yeah, we're different. Celtics we win championships. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, good joke. <laughs> so, Steve, do you think that the Magic will prevail? I don't think they're going to win the series. I think they will split in Orlando. I think it's probably going to go six. Annoying out. Annoying out. The annoying tough out. out. Tough out. <laughs> tough out. Well, I'm glad that we talked through that. There's our sports minute here on Small Talk. <laughs> And that's talking sports. And that's talking sports. All right, Steve, thanks. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you to Saruti. Thank you to Katie, our newest panelist on 10,000 Frogs. And thank you to Tommy Reese, our Game of Thrones correspondent. I mean, we really did a deep dive there. Sorry, Tom. This is just incentive for you to catch up because we want you involved in that conversation. No, I've decided that I'm going to quit. On, no. on Game of Thrones, yeah. It's just not for me, guys. I'm sorry. So, look, Tommy Reese is great, and you guys had natural chemistry, so let it roll. I I, I can I can be a team player, and I can be the sixth man here. It's was, it was pretty good. Sub in I, one Tommy for the other? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I could get tagged in here. Um, you know, I'll pop the mic on here and there when I have some questions maybe, but I don't, I don't really want to interrupt the – it was pretty good. I mean – if you like Game of Thrones, you're going to really enjoy that conversation. And who the hell thought that the Notre Dame quarterback coach would be such an authority on this? But, hey, Tommy Reese, shout out. Shout Love out that guy. Tommy. And shout out to you for that open. Yeah, that was fun. I, <laughs> I enjoyed that. that. That was fun. I mean, uh, you know, maybe my medieval voice isn't great, but I think it's again, effective. I'm just, I'm just trying my best here. Made guys. me laugh. Well, you know what time it is. If you haven't already, head to Apple Podcasts. It's a purple app on your phone. Click it. Hit the search bar. Type in small talk. Find us with a little black square with white tape that says small talk on it. Rate it, preferably five stars, and leave a review. Like this guy, Cooper, who says real deal, five stars. Review. Hmm. Five stars, but we got to stop talking about how friendly the Midwest is. I get it. People are cordial, but I wouldn't say they're the friendliest. This is coming from a guy raised in the deep south, southern hospitality, but lived in the Midwest on multiple occasions. We used to say people in the Midwest are nice, but not friendly, and there is a difference. Otherwise, as Jalen says, keep giving the people what they want. I mean, I disagree. Thank you for the review, and thank you for the five stars, but look, I'm a Northeast guy, and I moved here about six months ago, and I, I'm still kind of blown away by the friendliness, and it's still kind of weird for me. So, uh, look, I'm experiencing it in the present, and you're just you're wrong. People are friendly here, so uh, when it comes up, we're going to talk about it. I don't know what to say. Yeah, we can respectfully disagree with Cooper here. <laughs> I think if he is from the South, people from the South are very polite, and there's a certain warmth that comes with Southern hospitality, as he mentioned, but people in the Midwest are super welcoming. And to me, isn't that the origin of friendliness? Yeah, that's the hallmark of friendliness. It's the hallmark I'd say. of friendliness. Yeah. You come to St. Louis, it doesn't matter where you're from. People want you to have a great, great time. They're going to take you under their wing. Completely agree. So, Cooper, we appreciate you listening, though. Seriously. I'm also curious where he lived in the Midwest. Mm, that's a good point. That could be key. Because certain points of the Midwest maybe aren't as friendly. That's exactly right. We can only speak really to St. Louis. Yeah. Well, you lived in Illinois. Champaign. Right? I lived in, well, I never lived in Chicago, but it was my second city for a long time. Yeah, so there you go. You got, you got two states worth of uh, information to work off here, right? But I will say, people in Chicago are nice, but people in St. Louis are much more friendly. Love a Chicago accent. Chicago. <laughs>
Chicago. All right, next one comes from Dan Stanzik. Yeah. Friend Shout of the show. out Stanzik. He says, properly rated five stars. Outside of his recommendations for A plus content, which I completely agree with, my guy Freeze Pops, aka TFP, never heard that, but it works, was downright reckless this entire episode. Rain it in, kid. I don't know what you want me to say, Stanzik. I speak what's on my mind. I mean, Arnold would be a great name for me. It wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't really even remember what else I got into there because I think I was just losing my mind. Just you would run. You would hot win takes. the mile race. Would, yeah. Which, by the way, we'll have to wait until next week. We kind of got off track with our Game of Thrones download, but I checked in with Danny Cannell, and he gave us his predictions. So deep tease to next week. Oh, okay. I actually. Former, I, I don't know what he said. A former NFL quarterback professional athlete weighs in on who he thinks would win a one-mile race between Saruti Freeze Pops and I. Expert analysis, if you will. Expert analysis from Danny Cannell, and he even checks in with projected finishing times. <laughs> he really took it seriously. Maybe we'll pop him on the line to talk about it. Now, that would be legit. DK is the man. Well, I feel like he'd have my back on this one. I don't know. Well, I... You have the info, though. I don't want you to spoil it. I'm I'd like to be surprised. It, but I think people might be surprised with where he lands. You we'll know put what? It that way. Back to Stanzik though. Uh again, appreciate the support. Um and thank you for at least agreeing with my A plus content. That I, I think that that means more. That means we're kind of, you know, in line with the same thinking. We have the same taste. So I appreciate that. And I'm surprised you had never heard TFP. Yeah, we say it often. Yeah. But I will say this for Stanzik to agree with your A plus content is high praise because he has an email. We haven't gotten one in a while, Stanzik, or maybe you took me off the distribution list. Ooh. Either way, I want the email called Reading, Watching, and Listening, where he would run through all the best things he had consumed in various media entities over the past month. And it was unbelievable. I would have paid to subscribe to it. But you got taken off the distribution list? Or he's just not doing it because he's so busy. Either way, <laughs> I would appreciate that. So that's what I'm saying, though. He is the expert in that field, and he likes your A-plus content okay, choices. Okay, so yeah, I'll go with that. But I'm not going to rein it in. Sorry. You can't. It would be the antithesis of you to rein it in. Because we need to keep producing A-plus content over here. Huh? See? If I reined it in, it would maybe be like A-minus, B-plus content. And that's where we end this podcast. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. We'll be back in action next week. But until then, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.